0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. So Lord, that's the prayer of our heart, that we would be holy
1: to you. Lord, you've set us apart positionally. You've declared us righteous in your sight as we trusted in Jesus. Lord God, we want to be holy practically in, in an everyday life. You made us part of your holy people. You've declared us righteous. You've, you've uh, justified us, as we said. But, but Lord, we want to really be holy, as you are holy. Lord, we want to get rid of the, those sins that dog us, those, those things that pull us down, the Passions that pull us away from you, Lord, we we want to be holy and righteous people. Men of God and women of God. Our children would see uh, holy marriages, our children would see a a holy people going before them, and they'd know how to live as they watch us. But God Almighty, we ask for power today to be holy. We know that you have started a work, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop until it's completed. You're gonna keep changing us, transforming us, making us new people, but Lord, bring it. We want to be holy even today, Lord. Our sin is painful, our sin hurts. Deliver us, Lord. Lord, as we open up your word and we look into this subject of holiness today, bless the preaching of your word. Bless us as your people, Lord. We're here, we open our minds, we open our, our hearts that if you have something to say to us, God, today, and you want us to change in some way, bring it to mind, Lord. Uh, we trust that you'll give us the power to be your men and women, your family of praise. In Jesus' name we say amen. Please be seated. Thank you uh, worship team. I hadn't heard that uh, that song in a long time. It's a beautiful song, beautiful prayer. There was a uh, a Bible, a women's Bible uh, study fellowship and used those Bible study fellowships they would have a children's program alongside so the women could go study the Bible and they had a children's program so one day this gal she left her her study and she went and picked up her son her son was four and as they're walking out towards the car the son said mom I'm not gonna sin anymore mom's like okay great I mean she's proud she's like that's cool that's good and then she got to thinking I wonder what's going through his mind So she asked him, why why don't you want to sin anymore? Well, Jesus said if we didn't sin, we could throw the first stone. (laughs) And I want to throw the first stone. Uh, He didn't get it, but (laughs) nevertheless, it was good that he didn't want to sin anymore. We are called to be a holy people. What exactly does that mean? And and why why should we be concerned about being holy? I mean, hasn't Jesus already forgiven us? Haven't we already been forgiven? Aren't we righteous in God's sight? Why should we choose to be holy? Why should we pursue holiness? Or, or maybe you sit here and you hear me ask that question or talk about that. And you said, I, I've tried to be holy and I just can't. Why should I try anymore? We are called to be a holy people before a holy God. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter one. Verse fourteen. First Peter chapter one verse fourteen. As obedient children, the word says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, there is a group of people that lived in sin before they met Jesus Christ. He says as obedient children, don't be conformed to those old ways any longer. But as he who has called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Four reasons to stay holy. The first reason is we should be holy because our God is holy. Second reason, we should be holy because we belong to a holy land. Third reason, we should be holy because sin destroys us. Fourth reason, we should be holy because it influences others and how we live. The first one in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, be holy because God is holy, that If you were here at the beginning of the service and we read that Isaiah passage that John mentioned when he prayed, holy, 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 that tripart kind of exaltation of God, it's it's an acknowledgement of his ethics, it's an acknowledgement of God's moral, there's never any sin in God, there never has been any sin, there never will be any sin. He is holy, always right, always pure, without evil, he's never had any evil in him and he'll never have any evil in anything he does. There's never been any wickedness or any thought of wickedness in Him and there never ever will be. He is pure. He is holy. He's distinct from all the earth, from all the world and of all all of its sin and all of its brokenness. He is the holy, holy, holy God. And we have uh, made a declaration in our life that we've decided to follow this, this Jesus. Father, Son, and Spirit. We've made this declaration that we've decided to become His people. And it would be wrong for us not to conform ourselves to him. He is our example, he is, he is our, 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 our target, he's the one we're shooting to be like. We're called to be holy because he is holy. Now, do I expect perfection in my life? Sinlessness, no. None of us while we're walking this earth will be sinless without sin in our life because we are not God and yet, You start reading through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God is always calling us closer to Him. God is always calling us, drawing us, commanding us to be obedient to His commands, to walk in His ways, to walk in His truth. And brothers and sisters, we should seek to be a holy people. It's so easy in this culture to drift into sin. It's so easy in this culture to be like everybody else. That we've been set apart as God's people, to be a distinct people, to be His people his people of holiness. I want to give you a a part of my life where I had to make a serious decision about how I was going to live, whether I was going to be a a holy man or a wicked man. I joined the Navy, and I had uh, gone to boot camp, and I got out of boot camp and uh, went to Gulfport, Mississippi. The class I was a part of, we were uh, uh, CBs. uh, the, The graduates of that class were going to be in a... Naval Construction Battalion. They would uh, work in support of Marines, so they'd build infrastructure. If Marines needed roads. They needed, you know, barracks. They needed whatever bridges. The CBs would provide that. So these, these weren't, you know, these were kind of these were kind of salty salty kids, salty guys. They they, they they were, you know, they already cussed like a sailor, even though they weren't sailors yet. <laughs> you know, I, I, I this this class that I was a part of. Um, bunch of young guys never been away from home really and uh, moving to Gulfport. Uh, other than the watches we had to participate in uh, we could leave the base at any time and in that time there's all kinds of bars and any temptation you could think of around us and you know we just left boot camp a real controlled environment and we were first time away from home and so everybody just went crazy and uh, you know uh, it wasn't too long before everybody found the different spots you could go to indulge in sin and and every night, guys would come home uh, to the base. If they weren't on watch, they'd come home. They would brag about their conquests. They brag about their, you know, all the drinks they, they mixed and all the things that they participated in. And, and it was just a, <laughs> the ultimate, you know, like hedonism, in the, in the negative sense of the term. And I had to decide in that context whether I was going to be a man of God or a man of wickedness, because the wickedness was all around. There was no ifs ands or buts. It was it, you could do whatever you want and you could have whatever you wanted. And it was cheap and it was easy. And was I going to live like that or not? And so I made a decision when I was 20 years old that I was, I was a new Christian. And, and did, I want, did I want to go with them? Yeah, in my flesh I did. did. Did I want to be accepted? Did I want to have friends? Yeah, in my flesh I did. And, uh, and, but I, I had to make the decision as a Christian whether I was going to go with Jesus or not. And so uh, by God's grace I made that decision that I was going to follow Jesus Christ even if it cost me. And it cost me. Because those guys would come back, you know, and, and they, they would, hey, why don't you go with us? What's your problem? You know, they made all, all kinds of insults. You know, they would mock me, they would curse me, they would cuss me, they would run me through the mud. You know, give me a hard time. What's, what's your problem? You know, you don't like girls or you know those those kind of things. And so it was it was quite the quite the journey. Um, but I said, you know, I I want to follow Jesus Christ and I want to be ma- want to be a man of God as I understand it, and I can't do that and and. And they really let me have it <laughs> right but I, but i knew it was a short term i that class was only like three or four months i can't remember how long but i, I knew i'd be going home soon and so I, I decided to stand my ground and you guys it was the best decision i ever made because i know with my family background and my long legacy of wickedness in my family that if i started walking down that path i would certainly not become a man of god and so, by God's grace, uh, I went with Christ. And, and again, it's the best decision I ever met. I made. And uh, I had to choose, however, I had to surrender, choose to surrender to God and be holy, uh, even when I didn't want to. And, brothers and sisters, you can do that too. But it has to be a decision that you make, it has to be a choice that you make. Because I know some of you work in environments that are ungodly. And some of you uh, go to school in places that are ungodly. And some of you have to go earn a living in places where uh, it's not pretty and it's not, it's not heaven on earth. Uh, it's a choice you have to make to be a godly person. Uh, the scripture says, Be holy because your God is holy. He's set you apart, He's called you, he's He's made you His by His grace. We don't earn His salvation. We don't earn His acceptance. But now that we've been saved, now that we've been brought into His kingdom, now that our name has been written in His book of life, He calls us to be different from the world. To be holy as He is holy. And only you can make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. You have to choose that. As Chad said, maybe sometimes it doesn't seem real. You just can mouth the words. But other times, hopefully it's for you. It's becoming a personal thing. I want to honor my God. I want to be a holy man. I want to be a holy woman so that he'll get worshipped. You can do that. You can make those same decisions. In fact, brothers and sisters, you're called to make those same decisions, to be a holy people unto God. Chapter 2, verse 11. Peter says, Beloved. And, and you know, like, Beloved. I I know his his heart, his words. He's not just an apostle. He's a, a a pastor that loves these churches. He cares for these churches, and so he says, Beloved, my brothers and sisters whom I love, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So, uh, first reason why we live holy lives, we choose to live holy lives, is because our God is holy. The second reason reason why we're exhorted to live holy lives is because we belong to a holy land. Uh, the ESV says sojourners uh, and exiles. Some of your translations say aliens and strangers. You're strangers and aliens on this earth. You know, this, this, this place where you are now, you're passing through, the scripture said. You're, you're God's people now. You're, you're people of God now. You don't belong to this, this realm anymore. You, in Christ, you're already seated in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> you're already part and parcel of that new age to come. You are citizens of heaven now. And your homeland has different values than this land. Your heavenly home lives by different principles and different values that the people around you live by. It seems like whenever I look, man, it's hard to be holy in this, this, this fallen world. When I mean, you turn on almost any television show, like, there's, oh, look at that, or hear that, right? This world loves to, uh, to lift up cheating and lying, as long as you don't get caught, it's, do it. Get ahead. This world lifts up adultery and corruption. As long as you don't get caught, just enjoy it and do it. This world lifts, lifts up all kinds of immorality, and, and, and it's a hard place to live in. Thank God this isn't our home. Thank God that we have a homeland that is pure, without sin, a place of love and grace, a place with no taint of evil. That's our home. Peter says, hey, based upon where you're going, brothers, abstain from the passions of the flesh. By God's mercy, brothers and sisters, we've been born again. By God's mercy, we've been born again into a living hope into an inheritance that cannot perish, cannot spoil, cannot fade. The promise of God for those who believe is that we are going to a place, an eternal home. And and you can think about it in different ways. Uh, Sometimes we think about heaven up there. And if you die tonight, if you're in Christ, if if you're not in Christ right now, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you die tonight, you are not going to heaven. Understand that. You have to trust in Jesus, as Chad said, for the forgiveness of your sins to be saved. So if there's anybody here who hasn't trusted in Jesus, you need to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus and be saved, even right now. But if you're an, a, a believer in Christ, if you die tonight, the Scriptures tell us we'd go right to be with Jesus. The thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's kind of a life after death for us. There's a great life and death after us, but the Scriptures paint a bigger picture than that, there's a life after life after death, because when Jesus comes back, we'll be resurrected from the dead, we'll have these new glorious glorified bodies, and we will, I believe, will dwell upon the earth as, as Jesus brings the kingdom that he's promised, it'll come and he'll renew the earth, a new heaven, a new earth, and new Jerusalem comes down, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We belong to that place, we belong to those values, we belong to the king who has those values. We fall easily into walking according to the values of this world and the principles of this world. We're passing through, you guys. We are short timers here. Let's live like we belong to the kingdom of heaven, not the fallenness of the earth. Second reason why you should be holy is because we belong to a holy land. We belong to that holy God that dwells there. Those are our values and our citizenry is there. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. The third reason why we live holy lives is because sin is destructive. Sin destroys us. <clears throat> Peter says that our sinful passions, we, we, we need to abstain from them. We need not to indulge in them. Uh, we all have passions. We all have desires. Not all of our passions are good, are they? Not all our desires are good. One of the big lies of the world right now that's being told to our children again and again and again, if you feel something, do it. If you desire something, it must be true, it must be righteous, it must be holy, not necessarily so. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things, is wicked beyond cure, who can understand it? The current mantra or the teaching of the world is, follow your heart, but what if your heart is wicked? Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right unto man, the way it leads to death. We have some great desires, God-given desires, righteous desires. We need to run after those. But we need to discern between righteous desires and ungodly desires. Peter says to us, abstain from those passions of those flesh, those ungodly desires that it's all about you. Brothers and sisters, we are made for the glory of God. We are made for His worship. We are made to go to work and and, and live in this world, everything we do to, to God's glory. But our sinful passions say it's all about us. And so we use people for our own ends. We rip off people for our own ends. We make idols of, of things that we worship. It's all our covetousness, our desires, our wants. And it gets gross and it gets evil after time because we start feeding ourselves when we should be worshiping God. So Peter says, abstain from those wicked things. Notice how he talks about those, those passions of the flesh. He says, they wage war against your soul. Now, your soul is your, who you are, your personality, your identity, the center of who you are. And he's saying, like, passions of your flesh, they're like enemy soldiers that are attacking you. They're like these enemy soldiers that are trying to, to ruin you and wreck you. Don't give in to those desires of the flesh. Don't live by those things. They'll destroy you because that's what sin does. Sin ruins and wrecks and destroys if you start walking in these ways, or you keep walking in these ways, the Bible says you will meet ruin. I, I read a, a, a article this week about a, a, I guess it's a good illustration, you can be the judge of that. But uh, there's a biologist, uh, went to Ball University, went down to Belize to study insects. Anybody want to do that? <laughs> study insects, sign me up. No. But he did. He went down there to Belize, and he was with his guide, and and uh, they're walking through the jungle, and there in the clearing, the guide grabs his shoulder and he says, "Look," and there there was a tarantula, and a tarantula wasp, and the, a battle ensued between a tarantula and a tarantula wasp. It went on for minutes. The tarantula would dive, the spider would, you know, they they go back and forth. Uh, the tarantula wasp kept coming at, at the tarantula, though, and finally it made a dive, it flipped the tarantula, it's a big bug, it flipped the tarantula over, stung, stung that, tra- that tarantula in, in the abdomen. At the same time, the tarantula was able to grab a hold of the, the wasp and sink its fangs in there, and they, and they laid there together for a few moments, said uh, Mark Beeson. Uh, so he, After a while, though, the tarantula flipped itself over and the immobilized or the dead wasp fell down. So Mark says, well, I suppose the tarantula won? And the guide says, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But you don't realize that when that wasp stung the tarantula, it inserted its eggs into the spider. And over time, those eggs will grow within the spider, and eventually it'll kill the spider, and out of the corpse of the tarantula, new tarantula wasps will come. Isn't nature great? <laughs> nice, fuzzy nature, just cuddly nature. The picture, though, is of sin. We let sin into our life. It eventually gives birth to death. We think we're in control. We, we think we can handle another drink. We think that we can flirt and with that office worker. We think that we can go places and do things that the world does. We think that sin won't happen to us, or rather, death won't happen to us. We have to be wise, brothers and sisters. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We think that we can take sin into our life, but the Word says that the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death. You think you can follow those passions and nothing bad will happen, and sometimes it happens for a while. Sometimes sin can be fun. Sometimes you can have that affair and it'll be exciting for a while until it's not. Until you lose your kids and you lose your relationships. You think you can cheat for a while and you can lie to get ahead and the, cu- the culture says, yeah, way to go. You think you can embezzle that money and enjoy it. Until you don't. Until you get caught and you lose everything you've spent so many years building. Sin destroys brothers and sisters. That's why the word says abstain. Sometimes we think, oh God, why are you always giving me rules? Why are you always telling me what to do? I'm free. Can I be free? And and we look at that and, and, and sometimes we think, wow. You know, He's always telling me what to do, but do you realize that God gives us rules and principles because He wants us to walk in a good way? He is our loving Father, He wants the best for His children. He wants the best life for his children. He doesn't want you to suffer by live, living in worldly ways, living by worldly values that will destroy you. So the word says, abstain from sinful passions. Abstain from sin, run away from sin, leave it behind. Read a, another little article about, uh, a story about sin. Um, it's it's uh, <laughs> why well, you don't want it to let it into your life. There's a Coast Guard cutter in, in 1939. Um, it, was, it was in the Canadian Arctic. It was going along and they, they saw a, a polar bear on a, stranded on an ice floe. So the vessel went up there to it and the sa- sailors were having a good time. They, they were enjoying it. They were tossing salami to the bear. They're tossing chocolate bars to the bear. They're tossing peanut butter. They kept feeding the bear. <laughs> look at that, look at that. Then they ran out of food but the bear didn't run out of appetite. So you can imagine what happened. The bear boarded their vessel. Those Coast Guard guys were terrified of what they had done. They turned, off, they turned on the fire hoses. They, they started spraying you know, powerful fire hoses. What did the bear do? The bear said, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and they don't, we, the story didn't know how they eventually got, off the, got the bear off the boat, but they did. But it tells about how terrified the sailors were of being killed by that polar bear. And the moral of the story is, brothers and sisters, you don't let sin on your boat. You don't play around with it. You don't feed it. You, you, don't, you don't let it just abide with you and have fun with it. You kill it. You get away from it. If you're taking notes, Colossians 3.5, five says, put to death, put to death, those things that destroy you and it's a long list. Kill those things off because sin is destructive. Are you here today and you've been messing around with sin? Are you here today and you've fallen into some patterns and some ruts of sin? I don't believe for a second that you're enslaved to sin. Again, if you're taking notes, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13, you've been set free from slavery to sin. You can't stay there. You've got to get out of that rut. The Word says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. But, but how do you get out of the rut? How do you move forward? How do you, how do you leave sin behind if you're in a habit, if you're in a rut? Now, again, I don't believe you're enslaved to sin, but we can certainly get habituated to sin and get in these ruts you then you, the deal is you've got to form new habits of righteousness new habits of holiness and, and the word says that without Jesus Christ you can't do nothing John 15 5 without me you can't do anything so Galatians, Galatians 5 verses 16 through 25 tells us to walk in the spirit tells us to choose to surrender to God start to live a new life of holiness and righteousness. You can do it. I just want to say that an encouragement. If you're stuck in sin, if you're in a habit of sin, if, you're in, if it feels like you're enslaved to sin, you're not. You're just in a very deep habit. You need to pull out of that and learn new habits. And God's power will help you do that. But you've got to choose to surrender to His power and His grace in your life, to walk in the Spirit. So the, the, the first thing is, man, you, you, we, we want to be holy because our God is holy. We want to honor Him and worship Him. We want to be like Him, right? We want to be holy. We, 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 we're called to be holy because we belong to a holy land with a holy God with holy values, right? And, and we, we choose to be holy because we know sin will destroy us. You sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind sooner or later. And so we avoid sin. We run away from it. We kill it off whenever we can. And the fourth reason comes in verse 12. Chapter two verse twelve Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now I know we have some people in our midst who have been accused of, uh, of being evildoers before. So this, this is very relevant and practical to you, but it's relevant and practical practical to us all. You see, we're called to live holy lives because our holy lives are influential on the people who are watching. Another way to say it is our holy lives as a church are a sign of the coming kingdom. As the world sees a church living in holiness, as the world sees individuals living holy lives, the Spirit of God works in them to convict them about something that's different. Uh, An example. Of light shining in the darkness. When I, 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 again, I wasn't in the Navy very long. I just did the reservist thing to get a GI Bill. Thank you very much, Uncle Sam. Uh, it was a blessing. Um, but I came back from, from my, my little stint and I, I started working in a restaurant in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, uh, Oregon State University, it's just this huge university for Oregon sized stuff. And uh, I started working in a restaurant, I worked graveyard shift. I was old enough to serve alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, anyway, uh, I worked the graveyard shift, and all these drunk college students would come in about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it worked for me because I was a terrible waiter. I was a terrible (laughs) server. I'd always forget stuff. I'd always forget the milk. I'd always forget that. But who cares? They're drunk. They won't remember. (laughs) I wasn't like that, but you know what I mean. So I, I, was, I was serving, and, and I tell you what, that, if I thought my, my, my time in the Navy was with, with, with a bunch of heathen, that restaurant was worse. I mean, they'd rip each other off, they were always sleeping around together, they'd brag about who they were sleeping with, they, they, they would brag about who they ripped off, they, they would just do all kinds of wicked things. It, it was just ongoing, and you know, it, was all, it was like this, I, I'm more wicked than you are. I do worse things than you do. You know, they're proud of it. And I, some of these people I knew, they'd never been, never darkened the door of a church. They'd never seen a godly example. They'd, they'd never seen anybody that had done anything right before in the eyes of God. They just lived how they knew how to live. But there was this one guy, his name was Michael, and um, he was about 20 years older than me. He was an anomaly. You know, I was still a relatively new Christian. I was still trying to figure things out. I was trying to live a holy life. I was making some mistakes, um, probably because I was so tired because it was a graveyard. But nevertheless... Um, <laughs> trying to do right, and then Michael, he, he was a manager, and he, works, he worked days a lot, but he worked nights sometimes, and I remember he'd come in, and he had this sunny countenance, and he, he'd come in, and he he talked nicely to people. He'd treat people with respect. What? I know some of you work in workplaces where nobody treats you with respect, but nevertheless, he was treating people with respect. He was asking people questions. He was just this really nice guy. Um, it became apparent after a while, he, he wasn't like everybody else. It became apparent after a while he was a Christian. Um, that when, when, when some of the guys found out that he was a Christian, they would purposely tell, tell him dirty jokes to turn him red. They'd purposely do things just to irritate him and to chafe, chafe him, to, see, to get a rise out of him. And, and, and Michael would just laugh it off, and, and, and you know they, they'd gossip about him, they'd stab him in the back, they'd they would, they would make messes on purpose just to chafe him and irritate him. They're you know, just ungodly people doing ungodly things. But after a while, you know, some of those ungodly people, their lives were unraveling, and who do you think they went to when they had questions about God? I saw I saw just something amazing happen. Some of these these wicked people, they were asking him, What about relationships? You know, what what about, you know, marriage? They'd ask him those questions. I'd see I'd see Michael sit down with them and have a meal with him, even though they'd stab him in the back. He could have said, I'm not giving you the time of day, but he loved them. He spent time with them. I saw over time this, this, this bunch of secular, broken, wicked people. They're being influenced by a man of God. Man. That was powerful for me. I wanted to be that Michael. I wanted to be that man. I wanted to shine like the light in the darkness. I wanted to lead people to Jesus Christ as he was leading people to Jesus Christ. Not through necessarily his words, but through his actions. Christians, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that they speak against you as evildoers. The early Christians, you know, they, they had terms like love feasts. They had terms like the, the, the blood, eating, drinking the blood and eating the flesh, you know, talking about the Lord's Supper. And so the the early Christians would be accused of orgies and wickedness. They'd be accused of cannibalism. They'd be accused of all kinds of nasty things. Their name was run through the mud. And so Peter, writing to these believers in Turkey, even when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The day of visitation is when Jesus Christ comes back. The idea is, is that, that if, if you trusted, if you're walking with Jesus, and I know some of you go to school, and, and man, your classmates are nasty. Some of you go to, to, to workplaces, man, they're always cussing, and they're always, they're always talking about wicked things, and they're, doing, they're stealing, they're robbing, they're lying, they're doing all kinds of bad things. And I know it's a hard place to be, I know it's a difficult place to be. But let your light shine in that place. The God of sovereignty, the God of providence, perhaps, has placed you there purposely. You say, why am I in this place? Why do I have to go to this job? Why do I have to be with these people? Could it be that you're the only Bible they're reading today? Could it be that you're the only person that is shining light and living distinctly? I mean, that's what we've been about in 1 Peter so far, right? Distinct lives that glorify God. Even though they treat you as evildoers, May they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his return. In other words, it could be as I saw it, what happened with Michael. As he lived a godly life in an ungodly environment, people were coming to Christ. And because of his good deeds, even though they slandered him, when Jesus comes back, those people that came to Christ are going to glorify God because of him. Could be you, could be us. The Scriptures talk about us in those terms. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, look what Jesus talks about what He intends for His church, what He intends for His holy people. Chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, Believe me, trust me, my brothers and sisters, that when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, if people know you're a Christian, they're watching you. Every day you have a testimony if you're using words or not in your families that maybe are broken, in some of your family circumstances, some of your family dynamics, there's messes and there's ungodly things happening. Brothers and sisters, you are shining light there whether you use words or not, if you're walking in holiness. Now again, we are not saved by our holiness, Uh, we're not saved by our legalism, we're saved by grace, but now that God has saved us, he's called us to respond, with living holy lives in that place, in that place, in that place, unto God's glory brothers and sisters you can do it by the power of the Spirit so I asked this morning are you a distinct people or do you blend in think about your environments that you go to this next week are you just like everyone else or are you a man of God a woman of God in that place Sometimes we, we live in a certain, you know, like the, the frog in the kettle as it's getting hot. We live in certain environments. We don't even realize how bad it is. Maybe you go with different lenses this week to your workplace. And maybe, maybe you fit, fit into a certain mold or pattern that's just ungodly. And, you, and you maybe you step back and say, hey, that isn't right what they're doing. That isn't right what our culture is doing in this workplace. That isn't right the culture that we have in our, in our school here. Maybe you step back and say, I just can't live like that anymore. See, the pursuit of holiness is this uncompromising, unrelenting pursuit of righteousness, even if it costs us everything, no matter where we are, to God's glory. So I'd ask you to maybe take, take stock of your walk right now. Start walking the walk of Jesus Christ. We choose to live holy lives because our God is holy. We choose to live holy lives because we belong to a holy land. We choose to live holy lives because we know that sin is destructive and it will destroy us. We choose to live holy lives because we as a church want to be a sign of the kingdom. We want to be a city on the hill. We want to show the San Luis Valley that there's a different way to live. There's a distinctiveness. There's a God of glory. There's a God uh, to be worshiped. There's a different way to live. You don't have to live in those trashy, ungodly, train wreck ways of living that your family brought you up and you can live new. You can have a 50-year marriage. You can have good communication. You can raise godly kids. You don't have to give into that addiction. You don't have to live in that lifestyle anymore. In Jesus Christ, you can be changed and transformed. Let us make up our mind to be a holy people to show the world that it's possible. Let's not give in to those sinful passions anymore. Just drift along in the unrighteous filth of our culture. If we have to repent... Let us repent and move in a new direction. Our God is worthy of that worship. Don't you believe the devil's lies that you can't go there? Don't you believe the devil's lies that you can't change? You can. It's helpful when you're not doing it alone. Man, when I was in the Navy, when I was trying to stand strong, I was the only one. I wished I would have had a brother or sister to rally around me. We have a church that you can ask for prayer from we have a church that you can meet with we have a family of god if we all decide to move in the same direction of righteousness and holiness we can encourage one another and build one another up so if you're in the same workplace and you know you got a brother or sister in the same workplace in christ pray together help each other out encourage one another build one another up you're never meant to be alone Let us live holy lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you please stand in His presence? I want to say I'm very proud of you, church. I love you, church. You are making a difference in this culture, and you are making a difference in our community. Don't stop being God's holy people. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, covenant, may he equip you in everything good, that you may do his will, that he may work in us which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in the grace of our God, serve your God this week. In holiness.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now, He is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.